Well, the fine folks of the American media, and I include social media in that and the buttes in Silicon Valley, clearly have far more of an interest in dividing us than providing any helpful information on this Wuhan virus. Last night after Trump in a rare moment addressed the nation from the Oval Office, they did nothing to provide any actual information on the virus. Instead, they bitched about Trump. They stirred up animosity. They stirred up dirt to increase their ratings while a pandemic virus sweeps across the world. You know, I came to the realization today, actually, and that is no one in real life is actually fighting with their loved ones, is actually fighting with their friends or their neighbors, fellow Americans over this virus. All of this division that we're hearing about is a hoax perpetuated and exacerbated by the media, which is controlled by foreign elites who want us to be divided. So turn off the TV, get off Twitter, and today we're going to tell you where to go for real information on the virus. Also, we'll talk to Gavin McInnes, who is near one of the quarantine zones in New York. And then we've got The Daily Wire's Matt Walsh, who is actually one of the only conservatives who isn't afraid to fight the important cultural, the social battles that we need to win. I'm John Miller. White House Brief begins now. So the president gave an Oval Office address last night to assuage Wuhan virus fears. But rather than rather than take in the information, the media used it simply as an opportunity to melt down over the president. Go figure. That's what they always do. Quickly want to tell you about our sponsor, though, who is Tommy John. Folks, it's almost summer and you are going to need new underwear when it gets hot outside. So I urge you to go check out Tommy John. They're my underwear of choice. Probably too much information there, but you know what? Take it or leave it. Tommy John, they don't give an F. They give three Fs. That's fabric, fit, and function. Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you have ever worn before. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport a no-wedgie guarantee. That is crucial. They also sport comfortable stay-put waistbands and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather-light, moisture-wicking, breathable, and designed to move with you, not against you. So, you know, no bunching up, no riding up in that area because you know how uncomfortable that can be. And if you're an animal, you're just going to roll with it. If not, you're going to check out Tommy John. If you don't like it, they'll refund you with your best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. If you prefer to shop in stores, you can find them in over 1,200 retail locations across the country, including Nordstrom stores nationwide. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash WHB for 20% off your first order. That is TommyJohn.com slash WHB. 20% off. Go there now. TommyJohn.com slash WHB. All right. So Trump's speech from the Oval Office went a little something like this. Tonight, I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. Oh my goodness, did you hear that? Did you hear that? He said, 
foreign virus, implying it came from somewhere else, which it did. But we are not going to discuss facts. We are the media, and we are trying to spin a narrative. And so we are going to pretend to be as outraged by that factual statement as possible. At one point during this address, uh, the president referred to the coronavirus as a, quote, foreign virus. Uh, that, that, I think, was interesting because, as I was talking to sources earlier this evening, one of the points that the president wanted to make tonight, wanted to get across to Americans, is that this virus did not start here, uh, but that they're dealing with it. Now, why the president would uh, go as far as to describe it as a foreign virus, that is something we'll also be asking questions about. But it, it should be pointed out that Stephen Miller, uh, who is an immigration hardliner who advises the president is uh, one of his top domestic policy advisors and speechwriters. Right, uh, had, was a driving force in writing this speech, and I right. think it's going to smack. Uh, it's going to come across to a lot of Americans as smacking of uh, xenophobia, uh, right. to use that kind of term in this speech, Chris. Mm. And Don Lemon was so beside himself, he made John Kasich look relatively reasonable because Don felt that coronavirus was his time to have his diva moment and have a meltdown live on air. His fixation was that Trump said we would be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next three days or next 30 days. Excuse me. Now, he did very clearly say, quote, unquote, this is Trump in his speech. He said there will be exemptions for Americans who have undergone appropriate screenings. But immediately the media and the merchants of lies, CNN in particular, decided that the president left out the fact that Americans wouldn't be able to travel back. We need straight accurate information what, from this president yeah. and this administration, and we're not yeah. getting it. And I don't understand why you are tiptoeing around it. He came out, gave an address that old, that usually you know ha that happens very rarely, and he doesn't get it right? I'm going to tell you, first of all, he read it. And somebody that wrote this, look, I don't want to get into that. He what it was why on not? Today That's why and, you're here to talk was, about the president's can I, address. Can I finish now? No, but, no, 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 you Let can't, John. John, because we're here to talk oh, about the president's talk. Wait, we're here. I don't want you to I don't want you to go on and deflect and talk about something else because we're here to talk about the president's address. He wasn't talking about something else. He was talking about the address. Idiot. What the directive I imagine that must have come down from CNN was that you have to do anything you can to attack this speech that President Trump gave. You are not allowed to come on air here on this network and say it was good. And while Don Lemon wasn't really making any coherent points there, well, on the upside, neither were any of his colleagues, aside from just wow, just wow. And oh my gosh, I cannot. Can you? I can't. I just can't. Here's bona fide airhead S.E. Cup's response to the speech on Twitter. Well, that was terrifying. Consider me terrified. Oh, profound, Essie. Profound. No details, but she doesn't need them. What you need to know is that she is terrified because of Trump's Oval Office address. I don't need to give details, she thinks. So while those two just bumbled and fumbled, one guest on CNN actually saw this as an opportunity not to just scream orange man bad, but to actually advance liberal policies and call for amnesty. Otherwise, these illegals won't be able to go to the hospital. You got 19 million undocumented Americans in here. You think they're going to go running into the hospital if they're mm. sick? Not if he doesn't say we're not going to deport you. Where's the amnesty? Where's the amnesty? Trump was supposed to announce amnesty in that speech. These people are incredible. Talking head Anna Marie Cox actually went as far to suggest he was 
exempting the UK from the travel ban because he thinks they're more white than the rest of Europe. Guys, this is unhinged. This is unhinged. This is not helpful. This is not providing anyone with anything useful. It's just an outrage machine. It is a bunch of foreign agents seeking to divide us. Remember, it's the Chinese Communist Party who started the whole idea that any mention of the Wuhan virus's origin is racist. These in the media, they don't want anyone to remember where it originated. And now you have media companies, some, if not many, who have Chinese investors. Certainly all of these companies have large shareholders from other foreign countries who have no stake in our national interest at all. They're only in it for the money. So typical. Same goes for Twitter. Same goes for social media. Do you think anyone in Silicon Valley and those multinational corporations that run that town actually care about our national unity? We don't unite with these people. Oh, we've got to unite. No, we don't unite with those people in the same way you wouldn't unite with Soviet spies during the Cold War. There's always going to be an enemy, and I think we all know who that is. Oh, now is time to come together. Now is time to unite. You know what? We are together. You know what? For us, it is all about love and unity. Unless you turn on cable and the people who appear on cables is Twitter's account. Twitter accounts. You know, I live in Washington, D.C., which means that plenty of my neighbors are liberals, right? I live amongst liberals and we're not fighting. We're, we're getting along. We're making sure we're doing everything we can to prevent the virus from spreading. I'm talking to my liberal friends. We're sharing information as it comes. We're not fighting at all. The only place the division exists is on cable news networks and on Twitter and on Facebook. You know what? Get off Twitter. You're not going to get your information on this virus from pundits. In fact, you're probably able to get accurate information from anywhere but pundits. You should go to people who actually have information. The CDC, they're tweeting, all right? They have good information. They are having question and answer sessions. They're putting out medical information all the time. Go there. Don't go to pundits. Also, news.com, and it's spelled really strange. It's K-N-E-W-Z.com. News.com, they have a bunch of accurate information and they aggregate, they have a good uh, coronavirus aggregator for live updates. Also, I found that Reuters and AP are relatively reliable on coronavirus news. They're reliable for medical news, make no mistake about it, for political news, I'm not so sure, but for medical news, they're good. But for the love of God, stay off of political Twitter and turn off the fake news and you'll find that Americans are in fact still united. All right, Matt Walsh with The Daily Wire joins me now. As I said earlier, he's one of the few on social media who isn't afraid to touch the social topics, and that actually takes bravery. It's actually dangerous because it will get you banned from social media if you say something that they find to be untoward. Matt Walsh, thank you for being here. How are you doing? Doing well, yeah, thank you. So you have a new book out, Church of Cowards, uh, it is a wake-up call to complacent Christians. Um, tell me about your book. Well, the book is, uh, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm trying to diagnose as best I can what's going wrong, generally speaking, with the, with the, the church in America. And by church, I mean Christians in general, not just, you know, the, the Catholic church. 
Um, and I think most Christians recognize that that the faith is declining in, in this country. If you look at the statistic, I think it says 80 percent of the country's Christian, and that's down precipitously over the years. But I think we also know that it's a lot worse than that. You know, that 80 percent, how many of them actually believe the basic doctrines of the faith? Uh, it's a shockingly low percentage. So why is that? And uh, as I get into in the book, I think it, it has a lot to do with complacency and, and moral cowardice. And we're sort of floating on the, the tide of the culture uh, because we've been told and we've come to believe that it's that to resist, to fight back is wrong. We need to be tolerant. You know, tolerance is the great virtue. And this has just led us to uh, float right into secularism and, and everything else. And I'm probably the exact person who needs to read your book because I just, you know, I was raised Christian. Uh, I still consider myself to be a man of faith, um, but sin probably every hour on the hour. Um, join, how, the, join the club. yeah. <laughs> and I think, I mean, obviously that is true for a hundred percent of Christians, maybe some more than others, yeah. but there are certain things that it doesn't take the most devout Christian ever to realize this is, uh, this is wrong. And one of those things, for instance, is the the way that God made you. Um, somehow, God, you know, there's this idea that God made this uh, enormous mistake, and that uh, and that you know you know better, and that if you feel that you are more of another gender, then it is more doctors' role to take the role of God and completely switch you into that gender. Yeah. And uh, and I think the consequences of those surgeries that are being done show that that's maybe not the case. The, the transgender suicide rates at 30% doesn't really go down after they get the surgery that transforms them into the, that transforms them into the other gender. Um, there really is no scientific way to actually change someone's gender. The only way to, to, to do that would be at birth uh, in the womb and that you know, or at before birth, before the womb. Um, so it's kind of phony science, and yet we're being told if we, uh, if we don't agree with this, we're bigots, and that risks you getting completely booted from social media and not just social media, but, you know, social circles. And it's completely unacceptable today to take that stance. Yeah, exactly. And this is, that's one of the issues where I think the church has failed. Christian leaders have failed to show leadership and to actually engage with those issues. And, and uh, because they're, they're afraid they're going to come off like bigots or whatever else. But I mean, this especially, I think for a long time, unfortunately, conservatives have had this idea that this is a side issue. It's kind of a side show. It's not that important. More and more we're waking up to the fact that, no, this is very important because the left, especially through the public school system, and through uh, the media and Hollywood, they are trying to indoctrinate an entire generation of, of people, entire generation of kids to believe that your identity, your biological identity is entirely relative. It's up to you. It goes beyond transgender. I mean, now, what they, whether you consider yourself transgender or not, what they want you to believe is that your identity is 100 percent your, your, your decision. You don't have to submit yourself to any truth or reality bigger than yourself. And uh, I think that's going to have dire consequences that we're going to feel, you know, for generations to come. Yeah, I think that's right. And in the UK, there's a teen, just to show that it, it there, it's not actual magic. You know, they they portray this image that you know, these people are just going to the doctor. They go, they get the surgery, they get pumped with the hormones, and all of a sudden they're a new person and they just magically switch their genders. It doesn't work like that. There's a UK teen who went through a gender transition regrets it, is trying to sue the doctors. And I think we have video of this, actually. This is a man who transitioned into a woman. Uh, it's the, I'm sorry, I'm dyslexic and I always can never remember what they started out as and it's confusing to me. So it's a woman who transitioned into a man and now this person is saying they completely regret it, but let's watch. When I was 16, I, I started on puberty blockers and I was on that for a year um, and I continued with it for an extra year along with cross-sex hormones. Um, 
and then I was on cross-sex hormones for about four and a half years. Um, and uh, during that time that I was on cross-sex hormones, I underwent a double mastectomy procedure where I had my breast removed. And that was the, uh, the end of the process for me. And I, um, I came off of the hormones uh, just last year. So that's, uh, that's, believe it or not, that is a, that's a woman who has been taking hormones. Um, and that's the case for a lot of people in that, in that situation, is that they just realize, you know, I thought I was going to be happy, and this didn't, uh, this didn't result in eternal happiness for me. Yeah, because I, I think what, what we have to get down to is if someone's saying, if someone's a boy and they want to be a girl, what they're really saying is they hate themselves, they can't accept who they are. Uh, or vice versa, girl to boy. And so our message to them should be, no, you, you know, you're a boy. That's a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with being a, a boy. Uh, there's nothing wrong with you. Let's help them accept who they are. And that, that used to be the treatment option. It's just like body dysmorphia. It's, it's, it's the same as if you've got a, a rail thin person going to a psychiatrist and saying, I feel like I'm obese. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not going to say, oh, yeah, well, if you feel like obese, you are. So here's some diet pills. No, we're going to say, no, no, you're not you're not obese, you're a beautiful person, you should accept your, your body type, it's wonderful. That is the message still to anorexic people, that should be the message to someone who has gender dysphoria, where, where we're, we're helping them to accept who they are and not sending them off on this wild goose chase to go, to go pursue this identity that they can never actually attain. No, I think that's, that's absolutely right, I think that's a great point. I uh, want to switch topics quickly to uh, coronavirus, we've ta been talking about this kind of all week, on and off. Um, you originally had one position, and I think you kind of uh, switched after yeah. more information, which is kind of what you're supposed to do once people get more information. Um, but you originally were saying, ah, it's, you know, maybe it's a little bit overblown, and now you're kind of saying uh, we should take this a little bit more seriously than we were. Yeah, well, I, when, when, when we first started hearing about this about a month ago, I, I was like a lot of people where I said, like the media, every other – week they have another doomsday scenario they've got another story of our impending doom and it never really it turns out whether it's a whether it's a disease or it's a hurricane you know we know the media blows these things up and then you add trump into it of course they've got the political end of it so i was i was skeptical um but you we, we know with the boy who cried wolf scenario that the whole point of that story is that eventually the wolf does show up and uh, i think as the facts on the ground have shown us and if you listen to the epidemiologists and the doctors, the people who actually know this stuff, I'm not saying we should trust them blindly, but they do know more about it than I do or you do. So if we listen to them, we see the way governments are treating this. Uh, it's pretty clear to me that it's a serious issue. I'm not panicked over it, but... But you're taking it seriously. Taking it seriously. There's a number of people on Twitter who are saying it is the flu. It's just like the flu. And uh, we should treat it like such. And it's just as contagious as the flu. Um, the experts are saying that's not the case. Um, do you know where they're getting that information? I know you asked somebody, where are you getting this info? W were they able to inform you about where they came up with that? No, well, it's, it, this is the way misinformation or rumors work, especially online. It's just people, it, they could have they just seen it from another person's tweet, it's all somewhere else, it's a game of telephone that happens. Um, I think, again, early on, I was even making those comparisons about the flu because I was pointing out that, hey, we had 80,000 people that died of the flu uh, two years ago, and it's about 50,000 a year or something like that. But it's, it, there's, no, there's really no doubt at this point that the mortality rate of this virus is at least 10 times, Dr. Fauci said yesterday, at least 10 times higher, uh, so, which, which makes it a 1% mortality rate. And then people say, oh, it's only 1%. But that's a million people get, get infected. You're talking about thousands and thousands of, of, uh, of, more, of, of, de of deaths. And on top of that, it's not, just, it's not just if you die. You could also get very sick and have lifelong consequences 
for, physically, um, that doesn't, even if you don't die. So I don't think we should focus so much on the mortality rate necessarily. All right, Matt Walsh, everyone, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You can get his book, Church of Cowards. You can get it wherever books are sold. Next, we have a guest who is uh, probably one of the biggest experts on coronavirus that you're going to find, and we'll talk to him and his insight on coronavirus. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. But first, our sponsor is Home Title Lock. You might not think that you're prone to this because it is shocking that your home can be stolen this easily. Uh, but that's the brutal lesson that Deborah learned when thieves found her home's title online. They forged it and they literally didn't take her stuff. They took ownership of her home. And then in an instant, what happens is that thieves legally owned Deborah's home. And so Deborah, she got evicted. And in order to get her home back, she had to spend a fortune in legal fees trying to get it back. So the FBI is calling home title fraud one of the fastest growing crimes. You do not want to be next. That is exactly why I urge you to protect your online title to your home with Home Title Lock. The legal documents to your home are kept online. That's where thieves hunt for them. They forge the documents stating you sold your home, and then they borrow against your home and stick you with the payments. No insurance or bank protects you. However, Home Title Lock does. You could already be a victim of this, so make sure you know if you are. Find out, register your home and home title at HomeTitleLock.com and enter WHB for one month of free protection. Again, enter WHB for one month free at HomeTitleLock.com. That is HomeTitleLock.com. All right, as you guys know, we have been all hands on deck here at The Blaze to bring you the full 360 on what's going on with this eerie coronavirus. And we've told you, you've got to talk to the people who have been the ones who know absolutely what they're talking about, who are the total experts who take this thing completely serious. And so I said, okay, well, we have to then uh, obviously talk to Gavin McInnes because that would be the person who fits that category. No, but in seriousness, uh, Gavin is appearing via Skype today because he's in an area that's near a containment area uh, in New York, or at least he's in the town over from one that's in containment. So, Gavin, are you under martial law right now? No, I but I live next to New Rochelle and I go box there every morning. The I'm in the black Hispanic part of, of town. That's where the boxing gym is. But it's the rich white part of town that's the quarantine. Uh, mostly Jewish, actually. And I think the first guy who got it was Jewish and he spread it to his synagogue, blah, blah, blah. But wait, wait, it's wait, not wait, wait, that sounds like a disaster. That sounds like it. So the black community, the poor community, the people who probably aren't seeing doctors are uh, are are just running around willy-nilly, and then in the rich community, the Jewish guy spread it to the entire synagogue? That is correct. The The blacks in my neighborhood, in my gym's neighborhood, uh, think they're immune, and they think it's a white disease, predominantly a Jewish disease. Uh, they might be right. I don't even know. But they <laughs> in, in the south side of New Rochelle, the, the, so I should say the east side, it's uh, business as usual. Everything is packed. Everything is jammed. The gym is busy all the time. But uh, uh, USA Boxing actually has canceled all the fights until March 31st. But the actual area that's right next to the quarantine area is is totally ignoring this disease. And I'm on their side. I'm with them, boxing away, getting sweaty, French kissing the guys next to me. I don't care. <laughs> uh, so wait. So it's interesting, though. You might be right because Africa, I believe, has like very little, almost no deaths because of this uh coronavirus and you know now it's wreaking havoc all over europe and america so i mean the, the black people in that area might might be absolutely right there might be some like immunity there 
Um, it's a sin to think about or even talk about, but ethnic, your ethnic background definitely influences disease. Look at sickle cell anemia. Look at the American Indians who were totally devastated by our European diseases. Uh, it might be choosing certain people. Well, and remember SARS, that was a big problem in Asia and that wreaked havoc all right. over Asia. And then it came here and then like a few people died, but you know, it wasn't nearly the kind of uh, problem that it was over there. I think they were hoping for that, you know, in with, with, with this disease. It doesn't quite appear that people are completely immune, but it was really just affecting Asian people. It was affecting people uh, in Asia, obviously in China, South Korea. Then it kind of went over to Italy, but then it was only affecting places in Northern Italy, which is where all the migrants are so there was some uh there were some people who were saying i don't know if we're actually going to be affected by this but it looks like we are you're saying however that you're you're not that worried about it i couldn't care less i i, I don't take my kids out of school my wife was talking about taking the kids out of school today because at, at my kids school one of the dads got it but i don't think kids can get it we haven't seen any kids with it and it's an all or nothing type of thing. Like if you're going to take your kids out of school, two or three days doesn't do anything. It's got to be two months. And I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm old enough to remember H1N1 back in Obama's days where we lost 280,000 people to that disease. Nothing closed. There was no panic. This is purely political. It's being used to make Trump look bad. And I think he's looking pretty good so far. He gave a great speech last night. He, you know, he struck the right tone. Uh, he closed down travel from China. And remember, they were all freaking out about that, saying, you can't close travel from China. That's racist. He did that. Uh, he should have closed down, I think, that my only criticism is he didn't go far enough. He should have just closed down travel from everywhere. Then we could have been maybe like Russia, where they're not having any, uh, they, they're not having any deaths from this disease. Uh, but at first, it was racist to, uh, to restrict travel. Now it's, it's, he's not doing enough. Uh, so I think you're right in the sense that whatever he does, they're just going to complain about it. It's an effort to make him look bad. Um, the, you're keeping your, you don't want to keep your kids out of school. Uh, you're going around. You might be spreading the disease around to all the minorities. They're going to accuse you of going to the minority <laughs> neighborhood and just killing people because you were at, at CPAC and you were there uh, oh, yeah. where there was a – Yeah, I even forgot about one. that. Yeah, you were at CPAC. I, I forgot I was at CPAC, and I shook maybe 500 hands. Those conventions for me is just endless selfies. Uh, and I'm going on a plane next week. I'm going to London uh, in another couple weeks. Another important part of this to remember is you need to be constantly drinking bourbon and strong liquor because you pickle yourself. So nothing I, can survive I, in here. I don't know if that's actually science. <laughs> I, I think if you were, yeah, I think they tried that in Iran and like uh, hundreds of people, maybe thousands, ended up going to the doctor for alcohol poisoning because someone told them in Iran, uh, you are going to... Uh, Kill this disease if you just uh, drink a bunch of liquor and actually rubbing alcohol. If you drink that too, it's going to work. And a bunch of Iranians fell for it and uh, and just chug that stuff and then uh, didn't work out too well for them. They're also saying cocaine uh, is a uh, is is going to kill it. I'm not. Yep, sure. I tried that last night. It it helped. I think because with coke, the the that sort of mucus goes down the back of your throat and acts like a bleach wipe, just going down your esophagus. And into your lungs. See, this is why I want to talk to helped. you, Gavin, because I thought I said we have to speak to a medical expert. We have to talk to somebody who's not just one of these hacks in the media who actually knows uh, the science behind all of this. Most medicine, John, is intuitive. Even heart transplants. How hard can it be? You take the femoral artery, you put that into a machine. It does the heart work. Open it up. Yeah, the heart is only four penne-sized things. One, two, Cups. three, four. Put the new heart in. 
put the start, put the femoral artery back in. So, <laughs> so when I have heart disease, I think you're the person I'm going to go to to to, to yes. do my transplant. But uh, you won't get disease because you'll be following my cocaine bourbon diet. Yeah, I'm just, and then you don't eat. You just do cocaine, and that you know takes care of the appetite. And then you drink bourbon just to make sure you wash it down. You got to wash it down, I believe. That's uh, also science. Yeah. And then you, you can live six it. weeks on just beer. Didn't you do that? Am I making that up? Yeah. Or didn't you do something like that? I'm glad you brought that up. That's a diet I invented called Beer Ramadan, where you only eat dinner, nothing else. And when you get peckish at lunch, you have a couple beers. I lost 15 pounds with that. And your doctor said that's cool? I wouldn't know. I don't go to the doctor. I figure out all medical science right here. I like I'm like the trans community. I ignore what doctors say. <laughs> that is uh, that that might be one of the reasons why you got kicked out of CPAC because you know we had a trans at CPAC. Her what's her name or his name or it's a male to. I always get it mixed up. I'm dyslexic. It's a man who dresses as a woman. She was at CPAC, um, and it's Lady Maga is the name. And Lady Maga. Oh yes, I know her. Yeah, Lady Maga was at CPAC, and you know, like you, shaking hands. But Lady Maga was able to shake hands until the end. You, however, um, I believe you were removed from the premises. I was removed for accosting Jacob Wall and uh, Will Summer and all these other gadflies that follow conservatives everywhere and tattletale on them. The the right is happy to invite these guys in. I guess they're masochists and an Antifa guy who uh, called me a piece of bad word, the the bad word for poo. And uh, when I went up to him and said, why are you being passive aggressive? He ran to the the security and had me removed for causing a disturbance. But yeah, they let in coronavirus. They wouldn't let me in. And now I guess I'm happy because I only shook 500 hands. I could have been 2,000 hands. <laughs> Do you think they're handling it well? You know, I, I was at CPAC. Um, they... Uh, they, they, you know, they they had reasoning for why they let uh, you know certain people in. Um, do you think the situation was handled well? A with you, and then B with uh, with the coronavirus. Um, well, they found out about the coronavirus after, and I guess everyone is self quarantining who who was near this guy, and they won't tell us who it was. But um, as far as me getting kicked out, I mean, it's indicative of a very serious problem here, which is. Our side kowtowing to the left. Every time they yap, every time they tattle, we instantly overreact. Uh, we did. We we do it all the time. Antifa calls your boss a couple times, and you instantly capitulate and get rid of the guy. I mean, I could go on listing examples of people getting fired because someone chickened out. But we could be here all day. You know what I think is fascinating, though, is that everyone who spoke at CPEC you know, who was admitted into the conference, they were called racists, fascists by the left. There's a mentality, and it's not just specific to CPAC, it's a mentality on the right, that if we just let the right people talk, the left is going to say, oh, these people are reasonable, and we're not actually going to call them racists, we're not actually going to call them fascists. The left is going to do that regardless, so why not actually be Big Ten and let everybody in? Exactly. They're totally unappeasable. Everyone is the alt-right to them. Trump is a Nazi, and it's, the more you appease them... The more you give a vampire blood, the more blood he wants. And then he tells other vampires, hey, I found a good blood supply over here. They are insatiable. They're like radical Islam. And you look at their definition of white nationalism today. White nationalism is anyone who wants to preserve America as it is right now 
uh, close the borders or at least restrict immigration quite a bit and encourage assimilation. That is white nationalism. You're, but, but hold on a sec. You're promoting an America that is like only 60 to 70% white. So you're actually promoting a multiracial country, but you just want it to, to not get more multiracial. And if you don't want more diversity, you just want the diversity we have now, then you're a Nazi. And you right. go, well, I give up. Yeah, and, and it's now it's only 60 to 70 percent. Those we didn't even have those numbers back in the 80s. So it is going to keep on going in that direction. And they want it to keep on going in that direction. There was that video from um, I don't even remember his name. It was some Indian dude. It was one of the worst songs I've ever heard talking about uh, brown power. You just, uh, you just switch those lyrics to uh, white power. And, you know, this is the we're, we want to promote the whitening of America. Um, I'm not sure that would that would pass muster, but apparently it's okay when when Indian bro with this terrible song does it. Gavin, we're out of town. At- time. I wish we could do more, but we're out of town, and right. they're telling me I gotta stop. So, Gavin McInnes, everyone, you can find him at censored.tv. Thanks for watching the White House Brief. We will see you next time. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the White House Brief podcast. If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to the podcast. Please rate it, and if you feel like doing it, please leave a review. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.